And we're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode. This is episode 184. 184. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, we uh, it's another week, man. Uh, looks like oil's over 46. Uh, things are things are, I guess, looking a little positive this week. I'm hoping that it'll continue. Yeah, <laughs> things are looking positive. I suppose you know it's it's interesting, Josh. As you mentioned, the oil, oil is up. It's forty. It's forty five, almost forty six, as you say. Natural gas is below three. Brent's almost to fifty. The vaccine's out, being distributed. Mm, yeah, I saw that this morning. <sighs> I mean, do you think? So I, I saw four out of ten uh, healthcare workers were not going to take it. Uh, I saw. I see a lot of people that are hesitant to take it, but. Honestly, Ryan, I am glad it's out. I hope I hope as many people take it as possible. I hope uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be one of them. I, take uh, I hope all y'all take it. Everyone, huh? I hope everyone y'all take it. Y'all, yeah, it's a key word there, <laughs> y'all. Um, I, the reason I want them to take it is because I just want people's fear to be you know dissuaded. You know, just take it, calm down, and you know, yeah, resume resume normal activity. Well, I mean, I think yes. Um, in all seriousness, I, you know, I'm hoping to go back to China and maybe Italy next year and some other places. And so I probably will end up having to take it because they're going to require it for mm-hmm. international travel, right? Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. You with, with the face? Hold on. Breaking news. UK Health Minister Hancock says over the last few days have identified a new variant of virus. <laughs> 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 32 trillion dollars on a vaccine up. and it's hold on is this real this is from a account that's pretty pretty uh pretty reliable <laughs> oh yeah for the bbc here it is uh i better be careful it's gonna pop up on the audio here live hancock says new variant detected as rules tighten um <laughs> I don't know what this means. I just saw this pop up on Twitter. <laughs> hey, yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, okay, so I don't know. I don't know. It might mean the vaccine still works for this. I have no idea. I just, I just literally, literally just saw this as, we, as you were talking. So, um, maybe associated with with faster spread in the southeast of talking about the UK. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so hold on. <laughs> Does this mean that the vaccine we worked so hard is not going to work? I sure hope not, man. Additional they, they need the like um, Epstein, the Hancock guy in the BBC, stop all the news and just uh, give the vaccine out to all the people that want it. Yeah, initial analysis suggests that this variant is growing faster than the existing variants. So I don't know how many variants there are, but this one's this one's actually going the fastest. So it's good luck. COVID-20, dog. Man, stock market is uh, is doing well right now. It's, oh, they uh, haven't seen the news. I, I don't know. It's, uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, maybe the variants will be a small percentage of uh, of what's going on. Uh, but anyways, so, yeah, it's good. I, I agree with you. Now, I did see Bill Gates is saying that it's going to be 2022 before we get back to life as we know it. That guy's just got to shut up, man. That guy's <laughs> absolute. He's talking about these people need to shut down four to six months. 
I mean, how can a billionaire who's making so much money during this COVID shutdown tell people that they unfortunately are going to have to shut their business down for the next four to six months and end their way of feeding their family? And I just, I, oh man. Yeah. I mean, listen, Mr. Gates, if you want to buy us off, we are for sale. Yeah. This we is will, a good podcast. We, yeah. We will tote the company line, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So, Listen, I think we all got to be honest here. Before, before the election and after election, the market is out of reality, out of touch reality, right? Like the stock yeah. market. So can, so there is, it is possible for the stock market to be out of reality and the economy can kind of catch up and so that the, the bubble bursting might not be as bad. I don't know if that's true or not if in this case, but, it, but theoretically it's possible where the economy could get to going again to where, you know, the, the bubble pop isn't too bad, but I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that this is where we're at in life. I, I'm a little concerned that the price keeps going up. The price keeps staying up and um, you know, good, everything is good news and, and everything's just not good news. And so, you know, this is the time of the year where production, you know, uh, the, the price might fall a little bit. Ellen and I looked at the the demand numbers, the gasoline demand numbers, okay? So the gasoline demand for Thanksgiving was down to the lowest level since like 1997, I think, or something like that. It was down a horrific amount. Like it, it, it wasn't like off a smidge. It was way down. Well, that's that's a pretty big deal, Okay. And so, how, how, yeah, yeah, the U.S. gasoline demand during Thanksgiving week was the lowest since 1997. And then if you look at the flight data on that Sunday after Thanksgiving, the busiest flying day of the year, it was down 40% year over year. So what is it that's making the market so optimistic is the hope of the vaccine. As you mentioned, people are saying they're going to take it. Some saying they ain't. Well, okay. Until they start taking and start getting out about, the numbers aren't there to back the price, and that's that's my concern. Because, you know, Josh, if you if people start going to work, they start drilling, and next thing you know, the price starts falling off the, you know, falling down to twenty, thirty dollars again, then, you know, it's, it's just more bad news for us. And so I hate to, I don't want to sound like I'm a bearer of bad news. Ultimately, I'm very bullish in the long term price of oil. It's just I'm, I'm concerned that we're setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to touch on in a minute, Ryan, that uh, the rig count jumped uh, 15 for the week. Um, so I think people are, are taking the, the oil price in the news. And if if it is out of whack, you know, like stock market is certainly out of whack right now. Um, if if uh, if the drilling continues and the price is offset some, it could cause, you know, a rubber band effect, you know. Well, yeah. And, and yeah. Another thing is I saw uh, DRW, I think it was, you know, calling for companies to hedge for 2021. And so if you might see where companies are hedged to 2021, uh, we talked about this um, a few weeks ago and, and they're able to drill despite the prices being, you know, a little bit lower. And I know our guests we got coming on here in a few minutes might have some, some thoughts on all that, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I would, what we want more than anything, I think is for the economy to get back to normal, because that's when you can, you don't have to worry as much. If you remember going back to the beginning of this year, we were thinking, okay, hey, uh, we're pretty optimistic, right? Uh, and so, you know, we thought it'd be good for, you know, there's people that were kind of down the shelf producers. We thought, okay, well, maybe some of them aren't going to make it, but, you know, high prices through this year, good prices through this year will be good for them. They'll, they'll survive. And then on 2021 and onward, 
this reset, um, it doesn't feel like we've really started the healing process. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, a couple of stories here. I know, uh, I know our guest is going to be on soon. Uh, the first one is Shell wants Biden to reverse methane emissions rollback. I'm stunned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a shocker. So uh, if, if this happens, um, I think you're going to have some of the big players in the Permian are going to benefit from it. I say benefit. Um, they're probably yeah. already hitting some of these previous emission rules. It's going to hurt the, the you know, the, the little guy. guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to really put a, put a smoke on them. What we talked about with David Blackman last week is this idea that will the little guys take it this time? You know, how much, how angry will the small guys get? And I'm going to be quite honest with you. I think at this point in 2021, uh, in the 2020, that if you're a small producer and you see Shell going for this, you got to go scorched earth. Like you really have to um, lay the wood to them. And um, listen, I'm not trying to divide the oil and gas industry, but it's a divisive statement. I realize that. But at this point in 20, you know, you're sitting here fighting for your lives and the big companies are calling to put you out of business potentially, you know, um, I would say take the gloves off, not break rules or laws or anything like that, Josh, but I'm saying like, I, I would not, you know, I wouldn't hold back on what you say about them publicly because they are definitely going for you. And Shale is someone who, is really align themselves more with the green movement over the green, past years. Right. It's, not, it's not like they're really wanting, you know, the, the Permian to flourish again, like these producers are. So, you know, um, I wonder what, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to, I wouldn't violate any antitrust laws. So let's state that first, but I wonder if people could band together and like boycott some of these companies. And I'm not talking about just one set. I'm small. Could you organize something like that without violating those rules? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think, yeah, I think the folks, the, the the workers are the ones that really have the power here, right? Right. Yeah, as I'm you saying, know, if all you don't have to work anyway. So, um, I, I think that, you know, when you, I'm not the big George, I'm not a big Jordan Peterson fan, um, but I saw the other day he's got a new book coming out, I suppose, and the employees were like crying in the hallways because his book was coming out or something. I don't know. The people at the company were like losing their mind. Well, okay, if you're a good, um. You know, patrol, uh, um, geologist or whatever. I think that I think it's you know it's within. I'm not call. I'm, listen, if you want to say work for shale, I don't care. That's, that's your business. But I would not fault someone who's uh, a PE or a geologist or whatever. Going, you know what? Listen, shale. Either you guys have got to stop this, or I'm going to go work somewhere else, right? Because that's that's one way to do it. Obviously, shareholders is the other way to do it. Um, and so I think those are easy things. And I want to be careful here. People's jobs or livelihoods. But I, I'm also if. Um, I don't know. I'll pick a company here. Pioneer or Bob Smith producing comes out next week and starts blasting shell. I would applaud that as well. So, all right. Today we have a special guest, Robert Martinez joining us on the show. He is the CEO of Titan rock and Alpine, right? Alpine gas. Correct. Alpine gas. Yeah. So Robert, uh, it's been a while. I, I think have we had you on the show before Robert? Well, I don't remember if it was this one or it's bringing the closers. I think it was yeah. bringing the closers. Yeah. 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 Well, it's great to finally have you, man. We've, uh, I've, I've met you a few times and, uh, been looking forward to, to the episode for a little while. So yeah, yes, it's been great. It's a great show guys. Keep up, keep up the good work. It's been uh, interesting to take, see your take and, and hear from all the experts in the industry. So I hope I can, I can uh, perform at their, at their level. <laughs> well, you can, you can wait on this one. We're, we're just talking about shale. 
Um, they're wanting Biden to reverse the methane emissions rollback. And we were saying, listen, general caveat, if you work at Shell and you want to stay work at Shell, that's fine. But also, if we're going to change Shell's kind of bent towards the green side, employees leaving, stockholders, that's the best way to do it. Uh, but that aside, from a smaller producer's perspective, a lot of people understand what these rules do and how cumbersome they are and really could put smaller producers out of business, especially in a low price environment, maybe at a high level, what are concerns from a, a small producer side uh, on regulation, whether it's these ones or other ones and, and how, how, how harder it is for you guys to deal with that. Whereas Shell obviously has, you know, resources for days. Well, you know, this is a capitalist country, right? So ultimately every man for himself and right. the Shell companies are going to do what the Shell companies going to do. The conventional group's going to do what the conventional group's going to do. That's one of the difficulties of being in oil and gas in the United States, you know, as opposed to the rest of the world where, uh, the government owns oil and gas resources and they come together in OPEC and other, you know, conglomerates like that and make decisions on this. On the, you don't, you, there's just no way to get the American oil and gas economy together to come up and band together and, and decide this is what we need, we need to do. So ultimately it's an every man for himself. I can't blame them. You know, I've, uh, I've come from a shell company. I've done the shell thing. I've done the conventional thing. I understand all, all parts of it. To me, ultimately it's an economic question. You know, does it make sense to do it? And every company's got their own internal hurdle rates, rate of returns, initiatives, equity requirements, you know, the pressures of being a public company, et cetera. So they're going to do what they're going to do. I think as, a, as, a, as an industry, we're going to have to band together in some ways. And one of the ways is to address some of the issues we face today. You know, one of the things that it's on the, everybody's mind right now uh, is ESNG concerns, right? Ultimately, we're going to have to do a couple things as an industry to make sure we're on this on the, on top of that and not just do it because we've done it as an industry, you know, with all the rules and regulations in front of us, we've done it. Uh, but we just don't do a good job of talking about it and presenting it. So as far as rolling back the methane emissions, um, the Royal Commission and all, the, and all the other governing entities are going to have to do what's best for the conservation of the, of the state and the country. You know, they're not going to be able to look at economic differences between uh, conventional operators or smaller private operators or public or shell operators. Every, every man for themselves are going to have to look at, take a step back and not get involved in the, in the economic side of things, even though it's somewhat detrimental to us. And the way it is to us is that we have increased reporting requirements and scrutiny and things of that nature that, uh, you know, a smaller producer gets burdened quite a bit more. You know, when you're a shell producer, you have quite a bit more resources of people in a headcount um, to stomach some of that. But in our case, for example, we get a request from the Railroad Commission or an inspection or something like that. We almost have to drop what we're doing to focus our efforts on that, which is an allocation of resources issue. So that's just a problem with scale. Like we started this conversation earlier, we were talking about scale or shale. Uh, it's a scale issue, um, which is something that the industry is facing today. Yeah, I remember, I think you and Josh and I were having lunch either late last year or early this year. We hadn't seen you in so long uh, because of the pandemic, of COVID. Uh, but we're talking about oil prices and, you know, Josh and I were pretty optimistic about this year, not, not hundred oil, but we thought the price would be decent. And then going forward, uh, it'd be good, you know, long-term um, for a lot of reasons. I remember you, you were a little bit, you were bearish, but you were kind of looking at your curves and when you thought the, 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 the supply would kind of turn over, um, well, sitting here today, it's kind of hard to get a read on the market because the price is at 46. Storage levels are what they were in 2016. Um, how do you look at the market going in 2021? Are you going to, do you think producers should try to hedge as much as they can? Do you think that no, 46 is a good number for the price? Uh, to me, it seems too high, but 
if it's there, it's there. So it's hard to argue with it. I don't know. What's your take? So no one has any idea what's going to happen in the next year or two. I don't care if anybody says, I don't care what kind of research you read. There's, you know, there's, there's no crystal ball. And if, if there was, I wouldn't be here right now. I would have made money back in the last several downturns and been on a beat somewhere right now. So first of all, like, let's just get that out of the way. Anyone that tells you they know what's going to happen. Hey, is, whoa, whoa, whoa. This, our whole deal is to tell people what's going to happen. Easy well, there, well what, happen, what happens when you're wrong? Because even the big research companies don't do that. They, we, they provide we delete the podcast. When we're wrong, we delete the podcast. <laughs> Well, I hope you don't lose any five-star reviews, right? So, <laughs> so but there are, there are several things you got to watch out for that's going to offer clues of what's going to happen, right? Um, and there's a lot of things we could talk about in this space, to be quite honest, uh, but they're all interconnected in one way or another, right? So in the short term, um, you know, you have the results of the election, which I'm sure you covered at ad nauseum here, um, but it somewhat suggests a recovery due to the demand destruction from the second wave, right? So the second wave of COVID hit us, there's a demand destruction and, and that makes prices, you know, you know, demand go down and prices ultimately go down. Now I expect things to turn around relatively quickly for the economy. You know, once, you know, this, uh, this uh, vaccine comes out and rolls out and, and some of this thing, it's the rate of which things are going to turn around. That's going to dictate whether we do things uh, or things move up quickly or not. I think ultimately people are tired of being holed up. You know, everyone's ready to move off of 2020. You know, I know I am to some extent, you know, Christmas is here and all that, but man, it's been brutal, a brutal 2020 for everybody on a lot of different fronts. Um, you know, you got the OPEC situation where they extended the cuts, you know, and that's a slight bump there and that's been priced in already, but you know, OPEC's going to do what OPEC's going to do, right? Ultimately we have no control of that and they're going to look out for themselves. Um, that's the short-term thing. I think, um, you know, long-term, there's just not enough capital coming into the space ultimately. That's what, that's what we're really up against now is it, Budgets have been dialed back, rigs have been dropped, and you don't just don't hit. The, you don't just hit a switch and get that back up where it needs to be. Uh, that production we talked about, the production curve has already rolled over. You know, we've hit some peaks and it's come down. Um, but as soon as demand picks up, it could be off to the races. You know, if some companies can stomach that, and that's the problem. A lot of companies are, are you know, zombie companies right now, where they're they're barely floating. They may not, may or may not be within cash flow. Uh, you can see all the news hitting uh, the newspaper right now with all the the layoffs and things of that nature. But for some companies, it may be too little, too late. You know, I'm, I'm wondering about the natural gas market and LNG. We heard a lot about um, you know, with China LNG export terminals. Uh, China was and also India. I mean, there was huge opportunities. Um, with some of this COVID stuff, do you see those things still being long-term um, viable options, or do you think some of the tensions with China and just uh, overall uncertainty is going to hurt those deals? So overall, demand um, is all about emerging markets, right? We have adequate supply, both gas and oil domestically, to handle what we've got going on now. We can make the argument of light, sweet crude versus what the refinery state but ultimately, the price and the demand is going to be emerging markets, and that's going to be India, right? Um, so, but like we talked about supplies, very little investment for the last four years. You know, the non-OPEC supply has dropped for the last several months. Um, and the marginal source of supply has been U.S. Shell, right? Now, one thing that if you're watching, the duck count is coming down. So, people are, are focusing on completing those volumes to support production volumes. So, um, but there's not going to be a quick turnaround from a, from an operational perspective. The oil services have been decimated. You know, there's not a lot of there. You know, there's some there's some consolidation, but the asset valuations on those companies and the operators that support them are are pretty low. Uh, 
you know, I don't know too much about, I don't get too much into the international part of it. I try to watch and read as much as I can about it, but there's, there's some things we can't control and that's what the international countries are going to do. We can have some, um, foresight and some estimates of what we think is going to happen. You know, for example, natural gas, I feel it's probably the best positioned as opposed to oil uh, for the future, just primarily because of the LNG. Although yesterday or the day before, I did read an article about LNG being challenged and uh, the, the arbitrage between the U.S. natural gas LNG and the European uh, LNG being diminishing where, you know, Russia is in much better position to take advantage of those markets. Um, but natural gas is one of those things because of the renewable push, you know, primarily coming off the election. And to be honest with you, in the capital space right now, the ESNG and the renewable is a big, hard push right now. Um, it's going to be kind of the bridge energy source, you know, between conventional fossil fuels and renewables. And we can have a whole other discussion on renewables and what that means for our industry. But uh, essentially having that natural gas uh, is easy to transport as opposed to oil especially if you're in East Texas, North Louisiana, where a lot of the big shale producers are. And that gives them access to the Gulf Coast markets and the LNG terminals to send it over to Europe. So you, you talk about international and that's, I think that's the, one of my concerns for the industry right now is your OPEC is going to be meeting monthly. And so, you know, how are they going to respond to, you know, market trends, market swings? Um, obviously we have the vaccine. Um, do you think that this year, you know, producers are going to really put a, maybe a, an over, I hate, to, I hate to say overemphasis, but an emphasis on hedging um, because they can get a decent price uh, and that might be good for, you know, the producers who do it, but it might push the price down because they can drill with the hedging. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the hedging is a critical component of any operator strategy right now, you know, and I think if you're, if you're subscribing to the market research or if you even have any bank debt whatsoever, you're going to be, you're going to be hedged. I mean, most banks are requiring a significant portion of that. The question is, what do you hedge at? And what, uh, what tool are you going to use to do that? Are you going to go with a swap, a costless cap collar, or Lord forbid, in some cases, a three-way? Um, but I think everybody needs to have some sorts of hedges in place. I think most folks are hedging out until late 21, or if not, if they haven't already, even some are even looking at 2022. The question is, can you sustain uh, or can you survive on the prices you're hedged at, right? We haven't had such a big run-up in oil. We've had a little bit of a run-up in gas, and we've been able to capitalize that as a company and lock in some $3 gas which is pretty nice. Uh, but the question is how, how long, how's that going to go over the next year? And I don't think anybody knows. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about the, the service industry. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, you know, obviously have a lot of service folks that listen to our, our podcast and, um, you know, just regular folks out in the field. What advice would you give them? Because, you know, they're, they're, they're folks that are out there, you know, obviously some of them are looking for a job, but the ones who do have a job are still at their company. They're trying to figure out, you know, how do they target companies? Will the PE back companies be around in 2021? I know some will, or should they go for the publicly traded ones? I think you're going to see some deals there. So if you're a service company right now, how do you de develop a business strategy moving into 2021? Well, it's going to be consolidation just like on the operator side, right? You know, when I was in the field working on the service side, the number one thing I'd hear from all the old timers is stay close to the wellhead, right? The closer you are to the wellhead, the more likely you're going to have a, a job to go to. You know, it's the middle management and things like that that struggle and suffer sometimes when it's time to cut heads. Um, the unfortunate thing about headcount reduction over the years is usually the very first rounds of that, like the ones we had back in 15, um, are usually the, the dead weight, the folks that aren't really performing, the low performers. Those are the easy cuts to make. But unfortunately, what ends up happening is that you keep your aces, what I call your aces, for a long time to try to make it happen. But then at some point, you got to start cutting into that bone. And some of those aces get 
sent to the house. The problem with that is, you know, you stick, you stuck with your company for so long that there's all the good jobs or any jobs are gone. By the time you hit the market, there's, there's really nothing for you to do there. Um, I, one of the things I, you know, I remember when I was growing up and getting into the oil and gas business was just watch your, watch your pennies, man, because um, this industry has changed significantly in the last several years in ways that I never thought I'd, I'd see. And uh, I would just make sure you take care of what you got. Um, I don't see it coming back the way it was with the shale boom, you know, um, and that's not the operator's fault. That's not, uh, well, you can make an argument that it could be some operator's fault, but it's not the service company fault. Um, we've all been on this train riding it, excited about how things are going. Things are booming. Bus you know, businesses are busy. There's a lot of frack jobs and everybody's out buying boats and, and four wheelers and things of that nature. It's been good, but this is a feast or famine industry. And you know, now that I've spent some more time on the money side of this, of this game, um, you know, the, the capital is just not there. Like there's not investors that are just going to throw their money at shale in hopes that they make money, right? They're very, very stringent and, and have very specific requirements and hurdles. So I don't think that you're going to find a lot of people throwing a ton of money at oil and gas, especially the horizontal shale game right now, just because the core areas that actually make money are so few and far between. So before you can get tier two, tier three, even, you know, uh, multiple bench type, completions you got rig running you got frack crews running mm -hmm. and people just getting after it but those days of that kind of capital spend are gone in my opinion so um there's going to be a contraction it's going to be kind of like the covid demand destruction as an economy uh, in an economy but you know as the u.s as a whole some things are just not going to come back the way they were and so i don't see the big booming and in, in, in sh the shell boom that we had and the blowing and going that we had uh coming back honestly yeah and i think that not only do you have i, I agree with everything you say. I think the other concern for the shell producers is let's say price is at, you know, Brent's at 50 right now. Well, if, if, if Brent creeps, creeps up to 60, um, you know, the OPEC members, they're, they're, those nations have struggled through COVID too, probably far worse than the America, uh, Americans have because they're poor nations, generally speaking. And so as the price creeps up, it's going to be hard to keep OPEC in check to keep them, uh, keep it in check. I don't like saying it like that, but you mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's going to be hard to assume that OPEC will not drill because they are going to want to uh, get those barrels on the market, make money. Uh, so I think that we, we have all of those threats. And then as the price goes up, the U.S. companies will want to drill when they get market. And then all the OPEC nations will want to drill too because they need to make money. A lot of companies, a lot of countries rather, have taken a beating during this uh, pandemic. And it feels like we're, we're up we're for a rocky time to kind of level the market out is one of my concerns. What, what do you think? It, it is the case. You know, most of these countries have some major, major social services to run, right? They got to take care of their people. They subsidize oil and gas or, you know, gasoline and fuel and food and healthcare and, and a lot of the things that a lot of socialist companies, countries do. And when you have a, a company that's founded on that and, and, and has been generations of that kind of support from the government, when you pull that or you just can't afford as a government to do that, you have, you know, uproar. And that's what happened in Venezuela. That's what's happening there. That's been happening in Venezuela for years. And I suspect that that's a lot of the same things that Saudi has been struggling with as well. And they're having to rebalance their budget and rebalance their cash flow situation as, as a country to, to diversify a little bit. You've seen the Saudi king do things a little different than had been done in the past. And that's the reason why. But uh, you got to remember that the, the, the OPEC countries, especially those in the Middle East, they have a lower OPEX than what we have here in the United States. So if they really, really wanted to, they can pinch us quite a bit. And you're going to eliminate most of the companies in the, in the U.S. because of that. Um, so it's 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 a delicate balance right ultimately yeah we, we talked about the production international talk about pipelines for a second um you know 
was it two years ago? I think we were talking on uh, the pipeline capacity was going to be filled up. You know, we, we had nowhere to put the product. Uh, and then we've obviously fixed that problem. Uh, and I, I think I saw what week, two weeks ago, Teleron was canceling their big project. Um, you know, where's midstream fit in this process? Because it, it feels like a lot of the midstream projects that were out there, especially the large ones, you know, they are where they are, but you have a lot of gathering lines that have been built. A lot of stuff's been put out there. Um, and it's good for the producers if there is a lot of lines that have capacity because they can get in there for cheaper. Um, but, you know, where do you think that midstream companies um, will, will do better during this down, uh, the downturn or are they under the, the, the same squeeze but from different perspective? as the operators typically typically midstream companies do well and that's primarily because they charge an admission they're like a tollway right it doesn't matter what you what the oil and gas prices are out there as you know as a midstream company most of the contracts are set up that they're going to take with you know per mcf basis right so there's um, it's up to the, the producer to to realize and make a profit and they're still going to collect their 30 cents or 25 cents or 40 cents and then whatever they charge for compression and gathering or processing um, what, you, what you were going to with projects is that that's the capital, right? Capital projects, things to put into place, big pipelines to connect, for example, the Permian to the Gulf Coast and things of that nature, right? Well, when, you, when you've killed the, the shale game to some extent, um, you know, the big shale game, I mean, it has to exist and, it, and it's profitable in many areas, just not the way it was before. Then there's just not, there's a lot of pipe in the ground. There's a lot of ways to get it over there already. There's a lot of capacity. You know, and remember that they have economic hurdles and a lot of these midstream companies are private equity backed as well, where they have their requirements and they have their hurdle rates to make. Um, and then all of a sudden you got this big capital program that you got to shut down because there's just no oil they're running the lines or no gas running the lines. So that affects them as well. But ultimately, they're in much better shape. And quite honestly, their valuations trade at a much higher multiple than than operators do because they don't really have to worry too much about decline, you know, for the most part. Um yeah, that's about all I can speak to the midstream side. I'm not real familiar with how that's going to play into the LNG side of things. Uh, they're going to have to get creative, and I think ultimately midstream companies are going to have to work hand-in-hand -hand with operators. I think gone are the days where uh, the midstream company puts it to the operator or the operator promises a development program that never comes in. And, you know, I think we're going to have to come to the table and work uh, very well to make it work so that everyone can have, you know, seat at the table in the future. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go with this. Um I know, and I agree that 2020, you know, <laughs> going into 2020, you couldn't predict the future, but you had to set parameters in which you could operate. We have taken those parameters and burned them and then burned them again and then buried them and then burned the buried. Yeah, we, we, it's all gone. So all the parameters moving forward, it's going to take a while to kind of understand what is the parameters in which the world operates on. I don't think people really understand that. I don't think we're necessarily going to go back to a full global shutdown, but you now have to consider that as a possibility because we just saw it. So, um, 2021, with that being said, 2021, Brent's uh, WTI is at 45.82 right now. This time next year, where are we sitting at with the caveat that, you know, we're going to hold you to it and give you a hard time if you're wrong, of course. And if you're right, we'll say you got lucky. But but just tongue-in-cheek, you know, best guess, things to look for as we sit here today, knowing that the world may be blowing and going or the vaccine may kill us all, we, we become zombies. You're talking about 2021 or 2022? 2021. 2021, the, the, back, the back end of 2021, I expect to be much better than what we're sitting at today. Uh, now, well, how, how much early better? Plus I don't 50. know. What was that? So you're thinking back into 2021, will be plus 50? I believe so. I, I need to look at what the, what the curves look like today. I haven't checked them this morning, but I imagine it's going to be better. We're at 47 actually today. So we're not in a bad place to be, but you know, OPEC is always going to be the, the wild card. They're going to do what they're going to do. And, 
and it's going to cause some grief all the way around, I think. But generally speaking, the fundamentals are there mainly because demand is, is going to, I mean, everything's priced in right now. So we're sitting at 46 with demand where it's at with aircraft and airplane uh, traffic the way it's sitting today with, with everybody working from home for the most part. Um, so if we start to roll over in the fall of next year with, uh, with people just going back to how things used to be, to some extent, you'll never be perfectly back to that. But when you start to ease on into what we used to do, you're going to see that the demand is going to come up. And I, I suspect that you'll be in probably right around 50. Now, what ends up happening, I think I heard someone, I can't remember where I heard it, but someone reputable talked about OPEC. And when they see 50, either 50 or 55 barrels a day, they, they, they tend to open the the choke a little bit mm -hmm. and, and kind of keep it in there. Cause you start to get over 50 bucks that, then that makes a lot of other, you know, otherwise uneconomic or shell oil plays economic all of a sudden. Right. And so I think that's ultimately what they want to do What they're what they're in the business of doing now, once they've learned their lesson after coming at us a couple of times is market share. Mm -hmm. They want to have market share and, and they can control that volume. So I suspect the year end of 21 is going to be much better. If it's a slow recovery or slower than anticipated, then that's going to be delayed in there early 22 but i imagine q4 of next year is going to be we're going to be sitting in a better in a better position from a price perspective this time next year now the number of operators the number of service companies the the cash flow the, the capital coming into the space that's another animal because i think we've we've permanently damaged to some extent the capital coming into this environment yeah. I, okay i know the last question but you said something that caught my attention I, I i think the price is too high right now i don't think if you look at the gasoline demand for Thanksgiving, it was down the lowest since 1997. Travel on the highest flight day of the year was down 40% year over year. Uh, the flight data, as you mentioned, is down. I think the I think the price is overinflated, just like a lot of the stock market is. Uh, you said the, the fundamentals are there. So you think the price is actually where it should be. It's not puffed up like some of the stock market. Well, there's some things out there that still, there's some risk, right? You're always going to look at the bearish market and the bullish side of things. And then whether, whether it's already been priced in or not, you know, one of the things that, that's that not been priced in that's bad is Iran stock, the Iran sanctions, what happens when yeah. Iran, everything changes there. And so that's a, that's a supply we have to worry about. Then also excess inventory, right? And, and then any kind of open, back on the market, Venezuela and spare capacity. So those are all bearish factors that impact the price of oil. That, uh, that aren't necessarily pressed in, right? So yeah, I, I think, you know, where we're sitting today is probably, I mean, that's where it's trading at, so that's where things are, right? But um, are there surprises or are there factors sitting out, in the, out on the edge there that could potentially come into play and, and make us go the other side? Yeah, right, it, it, it could, right? So then, but some of the bullish factors you got is like the vaccine, right, demand, uh, OPEC and the continuation of cuts. So those are all things that are on the bullish side, capital markets will blow up, um, things of that nature, any additional fiscal stimulus, those kind of things are, are bullish that not necessarily priced in currently. So again, we started this conversation by saying anyone tells you what, what's going to happen has a crystal ball is full of it. Uh, I still hold, I, I still stand by that. And, uh, uh, we, we agree as well. This show is for entertainment <laughs> only. Okay. So. Yeah, nobody, nobody needs to be trading or buying or anything based on what's talked about here, in my opinion. Uh, I agree. It, well, let me, let me caveat. If you want to, Send us a check first. <laughs> so you <Yeah. laughs> post data check. Post data yeah, check. We, cash preferably or Bitcoin because we need the money before you lose your money. So <laughs> send it to us and we'll have some, something there. Robert, no, it was good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, nah, so it's going to be an interesting year for sure. There's a lot of things happening out there right now. And, and there's a lot of uncharted waters for several people, several companies, several operators, you know. And, um, most of our industry has been pretty bad about being reactionary versus prevent, you know, pre preventative. 
And I think that's going to continue, right? Um, but ultimately, what I've what I've learned in my twenty something years of this industry is that uh, the the money controls the industry. Oh, yeah. I mean, if the industry, if your if your investors aren't happy with the way things are going and you're not performing as you should, then they're going to pull the plug on you. And that's exactly what's happening across the industry right now. Well, it's good to get you on the show. Uh, you know, you are someone that Josh and I both think call consider a friend, and so it's good to get you on. You're always um, gracious with your time to us when we go and have lunch or hang out. I hadn't got to do that during the pandemic, so hopefully 2021 will bring those good lunches back and um, uh, obviously on top of things. So maybe we can get you back on end of Q1 or mid-Q2 2021 and, and you kind of see where things are, are shaping up. Um, but anyways, it's good to get you on. Hope you and your family are doing well. I uh, wish you guys at Titan Rock and Alpine the best um, going into 2021. Any final words before that you go? Are you going to do a polar plunge right now? With this cold <laughs> weather? You're not the, I had someone else hit me up the other day about that too. Uh, and so, no, no, we no. didn't do a polar plunge this year. Uh, we mm. didn't do anything for that. So we're, we're uh, we didn't have yeah. with Nate gone, you know, it's just, Josh and I here now, and so uh, you know. How do you keep the lights on without that dude, man? Don't know. I don't know. Don't, don't give him too much credit. Now I think he still listens. We don't want him. <laughs> don't want him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got a good think. group. Y'all, y'all had a great, great show going, and and thanks for having me. It's great. I hope everybody has a safe uh, Christmas holiday, and uh, hope to see you guys back sometime in 2021 on the other side of some of this BS that we're dealing with as a country. Hey, I got the vaccine, so I'm ready to come hang out whenever you're ready. You did? You got the vaccine already? Sure. Sure. Was it a, was it a suppository? I, got- <laughs> <laughs> I, I went and had to, I went and had told him to give me both shots today. I just, you know, they would have waited a month. I'm Superman. Give me two. I'm good to go. So anyways, no, Robert, it's good. And uh, hopefully after the holidays, when things lighten up, we can, uh, Go to your luscious office. This guy, Robert, for, for the listeners who don't know, Robert Martinez basically owns all of downtown Dallas. So yeah, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Robert, good to have you on, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Take care. Thanks again to Robert Martinez for joining us on the show today. Ryan, that was a that was an interesting show. He had a, he had a several things that he mentioned that I haven't I haven't followed in the news and haven't seen. So that was great. Did you catch us? Did you catch that I said that we call him a friend, but he didn't say he didn't reciprocate. Yeah, he, did you catch that? He didn't. He didn't. Return Nate he he deflected the Nate. Like yeah. that kind of hurt. That, that, kinda, that hurt. was kind of a, that was kind of a tough one. I thought we were buds. I know. Yeah, that was uh, that was tough. I, I wonder if I wonder if he's going to still have lunch with us next year. <laughs> well, I don't know. If, I don't know if I want to have lunch with him now. So there, there, there we go. So no. Well, if he's paying, I, well, I'll, right, I'll definitely glad. You know, obviously, obviously, if he's buying. So no, it was good to get him on. Next week we have on Jay Young, and then to close out the year, we have the one, the only, the infamous Sergio Chapa coming on. Mister Bloomberg himself. We'll be coming on to end of the year show to talk about whatever he talks about at Bloomberg now. So um, it, it's nice that he's stepping down from the ivory tower at Bloomberg to come on our show. That's nice of him to do. Um, but you would think, Josh, that being that we've got him a job, he would have came on a lot sooner, right? You think so? You know, show some appreciation. You know, I didn't get a Christmas card from the man. I didn't get a. I, I thought we'd have got a cut of the, of the Bloomberg bonus. I ain't got that. A free Bloomberg yeah. terminal subscription. I ain't got that. I ain't got nothing from the dude. So, but thankfully he's gonna come on the podcast. So, yay, Sergio! 
<laughs> oh, we love Sergio. I talk to Sergio every week, just for those who do not know. He is he's a friend of mine. I'm just giving him a hard time for the new listeners. Anyways, Josh, I guess that's it. We'll be back next week with Mr. Jay Young. Talk to him. It's been a few months since we've had him on. Get his take yep. on the market as we wrap up 2020 and go from there. And until then, keep climbing. <laughs>